Thank you. Humor, laughter stops here. The serious stuff now. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry, you've got me going there. We're going to do our next in a series on the marginalized. Okay, great. It's up there and it's on love your enemies. But before we do that, I just want, we were singing that amazing anointing on the worship. Those who are late this morning, you have missed an anointing on the worship time where we actually not only bless God, but we receive back from him. And I really sense that God was, we talked about a pit stop in, in the prayer beforehand, that we're receiving something fresh in our spirits from God. And I, I just really bless Chris and the team for just bringing that anointed worship. Hallelujah. But I, I just sense as we sang that song, you know, spirit blowing through and talking about revival. Well, the kingdom of God starts where? Where does the kingdom of God start? It starts in here. So those who are with me in this, just put your hand on your chest. Okay. And let's pray. Father, your kingdom starts with me. It starts here. Father, and I just acknowledge that this morning. It starts with me. It starts with every believer here. Your kingdom starts here. And even if you're not a believer, I've got news for you. The kingdom of God starts in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at love your enemies. And I, uh, we're using in the main the Gospel of Luke. So a lot of it is going to come from Luke this morning. And I want to start by reading part of the teaching given by Jesus in what is known to us as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's part of that. And just such a blessing. You know, go and study what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. It's so revolutionary. It's from Luke chapter 6, 21 through 36. But to you who are listening, I say... Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other side. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as what you'd have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. We could stop right there and really take that on board in our lives, couldn't we? It is such a powerful message that Jesus brought. Is it easy to do any of this stuff? And if we're truthful, we'll say, no, it isn't. Does anyone think being a follower of Jesus is easy? No, it's not. To love your enemies like Jesus loved, it's not easy. But actually, if we're listening, 
That's the love that Jesus calls us to. The word, the Greek word for love is agape, which simply means it's God's divine love. Way beyond any type of love we can have for others in our own natural strength. It's that same love that God had for us as his enemies. And the love, it's that same love which sent Jesus to die on that cross for each one of us. Taking in our place the punishment that we deserved. Colossians tells us about this in 1, 21, 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. We were God's enemies because we had turned away from him. We were his enemies. And yet, it says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Wow, what redeeming love for his enemies. And that love is still available. It's still available today. Jesus not only talked this type of love, he walked it. And I want you to understand how revolutionary Jesus was by just giving you some historic context and what it was like in in the nation of Israel at that time. We know that the Jews were extremely proud of the fact that they were God's chosen people. So much so that despite their behavior, they felt superior to everyone around them. They were so zealous, and the more zealous they were, they they regarded all non-Jews as beasts, as no better than animals. And they were really very, very intolerant of those around them. They saw that they would become unclean if they had anything to do with those. They would not go into the homes of non-Jews. I mean, Peter had a problem with it. You read about it. He had a problem going into the homes of non-Jews. And God had to send him a vision and do a real transforming work in his life, didn't he? So, also, they were extremely intolerant of the people who lived in Samaria. They were called Samaritans. They hated them with a passion and again would have nothing to do with them. These were originally foreign settlers. Now get this. When the Assyrians took the people in that region off into captivity, they brought in a whole lot of new people and settled them there. And the people of Israel hated them with a passion. And that happened seven centuries before this time. So seven centuries of hatred and resentment and bitterness were still going strong in the days of Jesus. The, the Samaritans is known because they, they were there a long time, they began to adopt some of the uh, religion of the Jews, some of the things of faith and, and worship, but they were not allowed to worship in the temple in Jerusalem. So they set up their own system, which made it even worse for the Jews. And to add it all up, add on top of that, Judea was a vassal state of Rome at that time. The Roman Empire with puppet kings ruling over parts of the land with an occupying Roman army. Everything about Roman occupation was hateful to the Jews. From oppressive taxes to physical abuse by Roman soldiers to the repugnant idea that the Roman leader was a god. 
Okay. Repeated efforts to gain political independence ensued to no avail. Even amongst themselves, there were different sects of Jews arguing with one another and disputing with one another. There were Pharisees, the Pharisees, Sadducees, sorry, the Essenes, the Zealots, and the Sicarii. Now, the Zealots were a political group opposing the Roman occupation of Judea and were committed to raise a rebellion to expel them and their sympathizers from the area by force of arms. And the Sicarii were a splinter group of the Zealots. They, were used, they used concealed daggers and they would carry out assassinations of Roman people and their sympathizers or kidnap them and hold them to ransom. Israel at that time was a hotbed of intolerance, of hatred, of unrest, of violence breaking out in frequent riots. And Jesus walked in that time. Such was the country that Jesus came and smashed all the norms, turning them upside down with love. And we can look at Luke's gospel and we can, in that context, begin to understand how Jesus' love was so revelationary, revealing the heart of the Father God and so revolutionary, turning lives upside down as he went to these marginalized groups who were regarded as enemies. Okay. He healed the servant of a Roman centurion. Yeah, they're all up there. He was one of the occupying forces. Jesus healed his servant and reached out to him. He visited the homes of sinners including crooked tax collectors, and he turned their lives around. He turned around the life of a demon-possessed prostitute called uh, Mary Magdalene. He made a Samaritan, the hero of one of his parables on true love. We know that as the good Samaritan. He made him a hero. Amen? Wow. His way of loving is perhaps summarized as he endured the cross and all that surrounded him at that time. In Luke 23... Verse 33, when they came to that place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And in verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus spoke the words of forgiveness to those who put him on that cross, to the crowds who cursed him and yelled at him, to the Roman soldiers who tortured him, to the, to the, the priests and the religious people who put him on there without any justification. And Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What an amazing love that Jesus poured out. This type of love is impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. The love is put in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and we need to respond to this love ourselves and then pass it on. Romans 5.5 says, Hope does not uh, put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We need to understand that as believers, that when the Holy Spirit comes to us, the agape love of God comes into our lives. Yes, it's for our benefit. It's to change and transform us. But also, it's a love, his love, that empowers us to pass it on to others. It changes us. 
I was uh, preaching down the church last Sunday that I last, uh, I was a pastor there 22 years ago. And this year they got around to invite us to come back. It took them a long time to get over the memories. <laughs> okay? No, that's not true. I hope. <laughs> okay? And I, I was in the congregation, and old friends came in, and there was this one guy came in, his name's Des, and he's from Northern Ireland, and I was telling, his background was that before he was saved, he was a loyalist, but he was in the paramilitary, and was involved in a lot of bad stuff, in fact, he had to come out away, but God touched him, and did something in his life, but I was talking to him, I'd been to Northern Ireland last summer, and Jane and I, despite what we perceive is happening, there is still a lot of bitterness there. And we went to certain towns that the, the, you know, the red, white and blue of the Union Jack is on the paving flags, the, the pavement, etc. All the flags are up long after the Orange Day Parade. And you sense that there's an underlying bitterness and resentment still there, working And it's only God's love that can touch that. And I've got a few testimonies about that. Can you put the next one up? Okay, this is Enniskillen. That's the cenotaph where they were celebrating Remembrance Day back in November 1987. The provisional IRA exploded a 40-pound bomb in the reading rooms behind the cenotaph in that town. 11 people were killed and 64 injured. Wilson who was a strong Christian, and his daughter, who was an adult and a nurse, her name was Mary, were buried in rubble when that bomb exploded. Unable to move, buried under the rubble, he held her hand and comforted her as she lay dying. Her last words were, Daddy, I love you very much. Five minutes later, rescuers pulled Wilson and his daughter out from under the collapsed building. Mary never regained consciousness and died later in hospital. As I read that, I'm, I'm moved, and I'm not her father. Okay, I'm not in that situation, but I'm moved by, wow, that was the most horrendous experience that this, this guy, these people were going through. And in an interview with the BBC, right at that very time, Wilson described with anguish his last conversation with his daughter and his feelings towards her killers. She held my hand tightly and gripped me as hard as she could, said, Daddy, I love you very much. These were her exact words to me, and those were the last words that I ever heard her say. To the astonishment of listeners, Wilson went on to add, But I bear no ill will. I bear no grudge. Dirty sort of talk is not going to bring her back to life. She was a great wee lassie. She loved her profession. She was a pet. She's dead. She's in heaven and we shall meet again. I will pray for those men tonight and every night. As historian Jonathan Barden, never heard of him, recounts, no words in more than 25 years of violence in Northern Ireland had such a powerful emotional impact. The love of God in Wilson enabled him not to be held captive by what enemies had done but he was able to say I will pray for them I forgive them I'm going to bear no ill that is the agape love of God that Jesus would have us display we might not have those situations in our lives 
But actually, I think we all have those that we've marginalized, those that we're not comfortable with, those that we allow their external appearance for us to make judgments that, yeah, okay, bless you, but we back off. We even have those who come into our realm that actually do offend us. Some might be challengers in various situations. We need to understand that God brings us into relationships in order to do a work in us. Yeah, we, we, we have a book called uh, Living with Porcupines. Okay, this is a Christian book, and I think Cap used to use it in, in the past. I think so. Jane, Jane said she do. Is that right, Jane? The gentle art of ah, the gentle art of dancing with porcupines. Sorry, I got the title wrong. Okay. In other words, it's relationships. The gentle art of dancing with porcupines. And it's a Christian book, and it's talking about how we build those relationships correctly. Okay. God is at work in us to change our lives. We are God's possession workmanship. We're a work in progress. I've been a Christian, and I forget how long, since 1969, and I know I'm still a work in progress. We will always need God's gift of a saviour and God's help through honest confession, giving and receiving forgiveness, faith marked by thankfulness, determination to change through prayer and with the help of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed a recurring cycle in your life of being in situations where you get offended? You notice that. You know, you might have struggled in one area, one church, so you back off and you go into another situation and guess what? You begin to have the same problems there. And you're tempted to back up in the workplace. You have some difficult confrontations with fellow workers, even bosses, and you, you struggle and gradually you say, I'm going to go off down the road, find another job. And then you get in that situation and lo and behold, you have the same problems. Have you ever thought that this could be God putting you in those situations in order that he can work in you and change you so you could become more like Jesus? And every time you take yourself out of such a situation, you actually could be just prolonging the process. Okay, And God will bring it around. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's loving, but he brings it around again. Because he wants to teach you something in those situations. And Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 talks about that. Okay, can we go on from that? Okay, leave it there. And um, the... In Hebrews 11, 12, he says this, 14, 15. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When we don't deal with stuff and we let it fester inside us, it takes root in us. We find that we're captured by a root of bitterness. And I'm sure you're going to touch on that in the mercy ministry things, aren't you? That root of bitterness. If you don't deal with stuff, then actually it becomes harmful to you. And it builds a prison in your life and in your heart. I was, uh, we had a friend, Joe Walters, who wrote a song about uh, accusing others. I'm going to ask you to point your finger at me. Can you do that? Just like that. You're going to shoot me. Okay, I can take it. 
I'm feeling relatively secure this morning in God. But just now, look, how many fingers are pointing back at you? How many? Okay, three fingers are pointing. So where is the emphasis when you start pointing the fingers at others? It's coming back at you. Three fingers pointing back at you. Okay, the thumb's doing something else. Probably going Godwards, but hey, okay. And I I thought about those three things, and I I, I put together three thoughts about guarding your heart. Okay, and there's some scriptures up there. We haven't got time to look at them. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your mind. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Again, you're going to talk about the mind, renewing the mind, because actually your mind is your biggest problem. It's between your ears, okay? And your life is transformed by the renewing of your mind with the truth of God that sets us free. And then lastly, guard your tongue, Proverbs 13.3. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. God, what you say. I, we did this exercise in our, in our life group uh, earlier this year when we were looking at relationships. We talked about when we get into confrontation situations, perhaps we're going with our families, that there's a bit of bickering that goes on, uh, perhaps in the workplace, uh, particularly when we have those things called staff reviews. Okay, and it's, it's very constructive, but also it's meant to highlight where you can change and go on, recognizing your good things. You've ever had those conversations? You're a great guy, you're doing a great job, but... Okay, well, we ha- all have those sort of situations. And I, I thought, yeah, I've had lots of those situations in my life. I've had them in the churches that I've been in. Wherever we go, we get in these situations. And I thought, well... What do they make me feel like? And I came up very easily with a whole lot of stuff, negative emotions from my experience. And I'm looking back quite a long time as well. They're not all uh, at the forefront in today. Thank you, God. Uh, But it was alarmingly easy. 29 negative emotions I came up with. Just just like that. Very easy. I, I then went and looked for positive emotions. And I came up with 16. And it was a lot harder. Okay. Here's some of mine. I think you might recognize some of these in your experience. Negative things. Fight or flight. And I put into fight anger marked by a raised voice and words. Resentment. Feeling accused. Under trial. Trying to justify myself. Blame shifting. It's not my fault. It's someone else's. Denying responsibility. You've got to understand that this happened and, and so on and so forth. Evasion of issues. Okay, I'm not going to face the issues. I'm going to evade them. My private space being invaded. Who do they think they are telling me that? Okay. My rights been trampled. I go on the attack. I refuse to listen. I retreat behind my defenses and I shoot back trying to hurt them as I'm feeling hurt. Uh, Flight, hurt, silence, insecurity, self-pity. Run away to my man cave. Okay, Jane knows all about my man cave. Confidence shaken, discouraged, low self-esteem, unappreciated. Only hear the negative in an exaggerated way. I'm I'm so guilty of that. They might say a little thing, whoa, I receive it. You never, I'm always, and these exaggerated adjectives come out 
all the time. Uh, Condemned, alone, isolated, robbed, abused, false guilt. It's all my fault. Okay, and it becomes unreal sometimes. And I I look at myself and say, yeah, it's my fault. Um, But it goes over the top. Misunderstood, depressed, hopeless, anxiety, stress, frozen, unable to move forward, frustrated and confused. Any hands recognize themselves? Okay, because we do need to be honest with God. (laughs) Yeah, because that's the first step, isn't it? But then I I got into the positive stuff, much rarer, love. Okay, actually feel love. And I'm thinking, thank you, God, for that miracle. Grace, bless them. I'm going to move in grace towards them. Peace, I'm at peace. I'm confident and secure in who I am in God. And, and I'm, I'm really pleased to be able to say that that is happening more and more today. There are still shaky moments. But after 40-odd years as a Christian, I ought to be secure in who I am in God, shouldn't I? Okay, we should be moving to improvement that we're a bit more like Jesus than we were last year. Okay, openness to accepting fault and seeking forgiveness. Okay, choose, like this one, choose not to take offense. I'm going to come back to that. Determination to move forward and take positive steps to change. That's a, that's a positive response to being hurt. Okay, willingness to accept being in the wrong. And knowing that I'm a work in progress. Okay. Keep and keeping being vulnerable. Just say, I'm not going to shut up shop and leave. I'm going to keep on being vulnerable to being hurt again. Yeah. While we're not to be a bin for others to dump their rubbish in. I'm not talking about being a bin for others to dump their rubbish in. And have a victim mentality. We do need to take responsibility and address our negative reactions. How can we change when we own these reactions? How can we be different? How can we change? And I, I, I talk about the put off and put on principle. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's truth. That's how God sees us. That's the reality in him. The moment we believe in him and we go through the waters of baptism, we are raised in newness of life. The old has passed away. Everything has become new. That's God's truth. And it's knowing that truth that begins to set us free. Believing in that truth, receiving in that truth, allowing that truth to change us begins to work in us. And then Ephesus 4.22 you were taught with regard to your formal, former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, putting off the old self, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's a put off the old stuff. Put on the new in Jesus. Put off, identify each unhelpful emotion. Own it. Okay, accept that you've got the problem, that you're not as Jesus would like you to be, but you need to own it. But then you need to put it off through confession, receiving forgiveness. Yes, let God begin the change in you. You cannot change yourself. Okay, it's only God that can really affect change. We just cooperate with that changing in our lives. Put it off. 
and then put on, get the relevant promise of God, usually through his word. Claim and receive it and act on it through faith. Yes? Faith is always completed by its actions. So if you believe something, it's got to lead to a change in behavior. And sometimes it's devoid of emotion. You might not feel the love, but you step out in faith that you have the love and you begin to move in the reality of it. And then you discover you can actually walk on water. Might have a few shaky do's and begin to sink, but you actually discover this is beginning to... And it begins to line up your emotions with the truth of who you are in God. Um, but it's actions. A quote from Nicky Gumbel I've put up here, and, and I will... Bible in one year, you'll get, you've got this, John. Okay, I'm, I'm just a month and a bit behind at the moment, but it, it's still really, really good, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. He said this, the first to apologize is the bravest, the first to forgive is the strongest, and the first to forget is the happiest. Yeah? Don't be imprisoned by what you perceive, or in reality, the hurts that have come your direction from others. Take no offense in the first place. I came across this years ago in Proverbs 19.11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Okay? It's a glory to overlook someone who offends you. Rightly or wrongly, and, and we have perceived offense and we have real offenses. But when you say, I'm just not going to receive it. I'm not going to get offended. I choose not to offend, to, to, to receive it. Yeah? We can bear grudges. We can let our relationships with that person be soured. How much more glorious is it to choose not to take offense, to refuse to hold a grudge, and to refuse to get our own back, to refuse to rejoice and hope that they... I, I, perhaps that's a current one sometimes that I really don't want them to succeed or hurt me. I want them to be found out, okay? I want them to fail so I can say, I knew all along it was your fault. Yeah, oh dear. Perhaps we need to work on that one a bit more, okay? To refuse to gossip, gossip about it to others. That's a biggie, isn't it? I've got to tell someone. So we actually go and share. I'm just letting off steam here. And we color their relationship with that person as well. Yeah, oh wow. yeah. We need to choose to not allow it to darken our life and determine how we show God's love to that person in the future. The choice God has put in my hands, he's put it in your hands, I'll not be held captive by someone's offense against me. Wow. Go and look at that proverb. Let it speak to you and move into that grace, that mercy, that place of forgiveness. How did Jesus teach us to love our enemies? Well, we can go back to that reading in Luke 6, 21, 36. I've emphasized, as you realize, more about what it does in us than how we can act towards those who offend us because it's got to start in us. We've got to deal with these issues if we're going to grow and mature in Christ. But just quickly going to Luke 6, 21, 36. Do good to those who hate you. Do good to them. Look for ways in which you can actually do good to them. Okay? Those who curse you, pray 
Bless those who curse you. Bless them. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless the work of your hands. I bless that you will know this God, this love of God. I bless you. Look for ways in which you can bless them. Pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for the bosses. Pray for those church members. Pray for the family members who hurt you and offend you. Okay, pray for them. Yeah. Um, Go the extra mile for those who come and take stuff off you and do stuff. Okay, my wife's an extra mile person. Such a great blessing. Okay, she goes the extra mile many, many times with me. Yeah. Do to others as you would have do as you would have them do to you. Okay? We naturally gravitate to those we like or who like us, to those we are comfortable with. Talking about sinners lending to sinners, those who can repay you, those who you like, those who look like you, talk like you, don't offend you, you're, you're not feeling uncomfortable with them. We tend to gravitate and spend our time towards them. Love your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting get anything back. Okay. And then you'll be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And above all, choose to forgive and keep forgiving, even when they hurt you for the umpteenth time. Okay. Choose to forgive and keep on forgiving, just as your Father forgives you. Okay. Even when you do it for the umpteenth, hundredth and thousandth time, God still loves you and forgives you when you go to him. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Just want you to think. Okay, it's a bit personal. You're not going to call it out or anything like that. That, uh, Rob, I struggle with you. I'll come and see you afterwards. If you'll come and see me afterwards, I'm going to be very challenged on what I've just preached. Okay. But just think, Holy Spirit, is there anyone that I feel, or situation, that I feel like that about? And just lift that situation in your thought, that name in your mind. And pray, Father, release me from all the negative emotions I can identify with. Release me, Father. Release me. Father, help me to choose to forgive, to choose to look how I can bless them. Lord, help me to pray for them good things that will help them in their journey in life. Father, help me to have a good attitude, to keep on reaching out to them with your love. Lord, to keep the drawbridge down from my end, that there might be a healing, there might be a reconciliation, that, Father, those enemies might be touched by this same love that I've been touched and changed by. Father, I ask you, through the Holy Spirit, through the love of God who dwells in me, to restore, reconcile, and to renew. Father, I ask that in the coming days I will see a change in the way I respond and relate to others, in the way that I relate to those who I think have hurt me, 
or may have hurt me. Lord, may there be a release. May I come out of the the prison that I've allowed myself to get into, that bitterness, that resentment. And may I be changed. And may those relationships be changed. And may those who I regard as enemies, may, Father, they become friends in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Matt.